Thanks, Rob, for that. I appreciate those words. It's important to be a part of a church, and obviously we think that, we live that, and that's a part of who we are. But one of the things you've heard repeatedly throughout this series from me and from the other pastors and ministers is that church isn't actually the facility. Church is the people who gather and utilize the facility to accomplish what they believe God has called them to do. And so we're in the process of building and relocating into a new facility, but our goal, our, our thrust is that everything we're doing maintains who we are as a church. And so we have been looking at the book of Acts and in a sense revisiting what happened in those very first couple of years in the New Testament church after Jesus has returned to heaven, after his crucifixion and resurrection and provided forgiveness of sins for those who trust him and know him. And after he has commissioned his followers to go out and make disciples, to share his message of hope with anyone and everyone, literally worldwide, um, taking that message through the power of the Holy Spirit to all inhabitants of the earth so that they too would know that they could have this hope, they could have this forgiveness, have this new life in him. But at the same time, the church begins to develop. The church, called by many other names throughout the New Testament, probably most commonly the bride of Christ, the the people of God gathered, begins to take on those characteristics. And at this point in time, they don't have a facility. The church is defined only by who they are because there hasn't been time yet. Nothing has developed yet in terms of any kind of facility or geographic location other than the cities in which they live and in which their ministry is taking place. So Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, gives us historical accounts of events that take place. We just looked at one in chapter four where Peter and John go to the temple as their regular habit of prayer would be, but now praying in Jesus's name and now knowing who the Messiah is, not anticipating or wondering or speculating who or when the Messiah might come because they've met him personally and they know him personally and in that relationship with him now, but they go to the temple to pray and they find a man who has been crippled the entirety of his life from birth and through the power of Jesus' name, relieve, restore that man of his physical incapacity and also his spiritual incapacity into new life in Christ, into a new physical being in Christ. And in the moment of that celebration, all kinds of things begin to happen and we're going to look at one more part of that next week. But this week we do what Luke is doing throughout the book of Acts He is giving regular summaries of this is what the church looks like. This is what's happening. This is the historical account. And that helps us. In a sense, it creates plumb lines for us. It allows us to align up and and ask ourselves, do we see those kind of characteristics in our lives? Is that what we're experiencing in a church? And those plumb lines, so to speak, those, those measurements of quality that Luke summarizes, and Luke's a very detailed guy. He's a physician, and so he thinks in terms of detail. He thinks in terms of systems and how things work and function together. Those, those descriptions help us have a clearer understanding of even what we're looking for. If we're in the process of looking for a church home, if we're like the Vanya family and we've just moved into the region and we're trying to find a place that is exactly how Rob describes it, a place of family, what are the kind of healthy things 
that we look for? What are the, the markers, so to speak, that help us know and see that health and know that that's a great place for my family to be a part of? And that guides all of us. It guides us as leadership. It guides you, especially during this campaign as we've talked a lot about finances. We'll talk some more over the next few weeks. And on November 12th, we'll have a commitment Sunday. We have a very special service planned for that morning that'll allow you to be interactive in the service, interactive in making the commitment. It'll allow your children, if your children are in here with us or if they come back in from children's worship as a part of that service, to interact as all of us, every single one of us is challenged to participate in this project and to participate in what God is doing in the life of our congregation and the building of new systems and new structures that accomplish the same thing but for a new generation and in, in an ease and strategic location that allows us to do what the church has been doing from the beginning. And so it's, it's wise for us to check those markers. It's wise for us to come up against that plumb line. It's, it's wise for us to measure and check the level and make sure, is the church functioning the way a church should function? So we're gonna go to Acts chapter nine. We're gonna look at only one verse. And some of you haven't been here long enough yet to know. And you're thinking, we're getting out in time for lunch today. He's only doing one verse. It's one verse and seven points. So let me one more time encourage you to go to YouVersion, open the app, go into the more section, then go into events, and then click on our church, and you'll be able to find right there the notes, and you can save them and have them with you. But it's, it's an amazing statement. Luke will do this several times throughout the book of Acts. We've looked at a couple of them already. We're going to look at this one this morning. We'll look at a couple of more before this series is over with. So Acts chapter 9, verse 31, here's that marker. Here's those vitals, so to speak, the conditions of health in the church. Luke describes the church as being throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, that it had peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Now these aren't, this isn't exhaustive. It'll, it'll feel exhaustive for the next 20 minutes. But when that 20 minutes is over, you'll think back, but oh, but it didn't mention this and it didn't mention this and it didn't mention this. It's not an exhaustive statement. It's a summary statement. It's a, it's a snapshot, so to speak. We don't think in terms of snapshots. It's, a, it's, like, it's like Luke's taking a selfie with the church and looking at it and going, this is what church looks like. And what church looks like for Luke in Acts chapter 9, verse 31 is that it is a place of impact. Luke specifically and very uniquely describes the church as being throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. That's a reflection all the way back to chapter one, verse eight, where Luke quotes Jesus as saying to the church, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses throughout Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the world. What was prophesied and challenged and commanded in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Luke is describing as being fulfilled. The church has impact. 
It's moving, not just in Jerusalem where it was founded, not just in that area of Judea, but it has moved and it has spread. And you can look at a simple map and you can see that and you can see it is spread now north into Galilee and it is spreading into Samaria and it is moving out worldwide. By the end of the book of Acts, by the time we get to chapter 28 and we get to the conclusion of Acts, the Christian influence, the Christian church is literally global in the known world at that point in time. And of course, in this day and age, we understand that, we know that. Many of us get newsletters and information and we get updates from missionary organizations in some of the most, repart, most remote part of the world and the gospel is being preached. Statisticians say that actually in our generation, we will have the first opportunity to fulfill scripture that says when everyone on the face of the earth that is alive in that moment has the opportunity to hear the gospel, that that is potentially a trigger for Jesus's return. The church is never about its specific identity, but about its global identity. And we understand that. That is a unique feature that is an extremely important part of who we are as a congregation. We live right in the nexus of over eight different municipalities and counties. I, I, could, I could do this, but it'd be kind of hard to necessarily catch it for our live stream friends. But there are people here all across this room. There are people on our live stream that are here from multiple municipalities. We are First Baptist Church of Tomball because that's where we are geographically structured. But to say that we're a Tomball church is no more accurate than to say we're a Magnolia church or to say that we're a Waller church or to say that we're a Spring church or that we're a Houston church or that we are, you know, and just go on and on and on, Cyprus and Fairfield and all, all the different areas in this region. Surrounded by multiple counties, physically we're located in Harris County. We're less than a mile from Montgomery County. We're less than a 10-minute drive from Waller County. We, we are close in, in all of these areas and we have influence in all of those areas because the church exists where its people exist. And we've chosen, we've chosen 34 acres Actually, our predecessors, our forefathers, so to speak, chose 34 acres here in Tomball, conducive to being able to work with our city government, conducive to being able to work with this municipality to build a location that is designed to care for and reach every imaginable area. So that it doesn't matter if you live in Houston or if you live in Decapre. It doesn't matter if you live in Spring or you live in Hockley. It doesn't matter if you come in from Cyprus or you're coming down from Pinehurst or if you've come up from Champions. It doesn't matter where you live. You gather with us and we disperse. And one of the most amazing things in my time here was early on in our branding process, we got looking at actual maps of where all of us live. And the significant change was not just where we live, but where we work. Because we may live in a variety of places that I've mentioned and inevitably I have left somebody off the list, so just forgive me for that. There's a lot of them here in this area and in this region. We all live 
But when we began to look at where everybody moves on Monday, and I'll never forget it, and some of you have heard this before, we're, we're in that meeting and we're beginning to map all this and, and we're just having a discussion between the focus group and with all the ministers and, and all the rest of the church staff were in that meeting about where we heard on Sunday people were on Monday. And I, I don't remember exactly, uh, I don't really know why this sticks in my mind, but I remember sitting there and, and, um, and my son was actually in China that Monday, he had left out on Sunday afternoon. One of my closest friends was in Amsterdam with his wife because they had also left out on Sunday after church. He was on business and she was accompanying him. And we began to realize that God was fulfilling his great commission through our church in all the places we exist. And that's graphically, I know probably in here, we get to the end of the service, Josh inevitably tries to say something at the end of the service that nobody ever hears because everybody's picking up their purses and their books and you're getting ready to head out to lunch and I've gone long um, and so you're like really hungry, really ready. Um, we, we, the truth is we only make those announcements at the end because of Dondi. Um, Dondi complains when we don't make an announcement because he likes to stand there and, and listen to Josh go on and... and um, doesn't get enough of him the rest of the week. Donda, if you don't know, is, works over our facilities and handles everything, and he's around all the time. We can't get rid of him. But it's a, you know, but he's a fun person to have, have on board, and he's a fun person to pick on, and Josh does that a lot. And so Donda will stay there. He won't move. Uh, he'll just sit right there until the service is over, until Josh says the very last thing. Um, most of us will already be on the way to the parking lot by that point in time. But all of that, we, we realize, so the only people who actually really see this graphic is our live stream folks, um, because it's the opening graphic and it's the closing graphic of the podcast, um, and it shows, we, we actually animated it and it shows everybody coming in and everybody going out. Because the church is in all regions, because the church is designed to make an impact for the glory of God. The church is supposed to be a place that lives in peace. We're gonna walk through some of these a couple relatively quickly because they're obvious. Jesus came, I'll share this tomorrow with one of our, one of our guests who's been attending our church services, his funeral service is tomorrow and his wife's asked that I share from John 14 where Jesus promised that he would give us peace. And the most significant thing about that peace is the peace that he gives us is not our peace. It's not as a result of meditation or thought processes or music or supplements or physical exercise. He said, it's not the peace that the world gives. It's my peace. There is a peace that is unimaginable, unexplained outside of the context of knowing Jesus and living that within the church. Luke looks at the church in nine, chapter 9, third, verse 31 of the book of Acts, and he says, look, it's, it's a place that's throughout all of Judea, all of Galilee, all of Samaria, it's in all the regions, and it has peace. This ought to be the place when we gather that there's a sense of comfort because it's Jesus' peace. Think of those words for just a moment. I have come to give you peace. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace. The whole world can be falling apart, but the church always needs to be a refuge. 
And that's why we're a part of this family as Rob described it. We're a part of it because we find peace. We find peace in our relationships. We find peace in our circumstances and our difficulties and our hardships. We've, we find peace. It, it encourages and helps us to have peace. And peace naturally, I believe, creates, and I think, I think Luke's thinking systemically at this point, peace creates strength. The churches throughout all the regions and it had peace and it was strengthened. I know one of my personal goals every single time we gather is that what experience, what happens here today gives us strength for what happens tomorrow. Because we need strength every single day. You need strength at school. You need strength raising children. You need strength babysitting your grandchildren. You need strength dealing with the circumstances that come in your life. You need strength dealing with your relationships. You need strength dealing with your employment and your career and your decisions. We need strength. And gathering gives strength. That's why Pastor Josh mentioned that the, 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 one of the biggest changes in the new facility is, is open areas for gathering. In 1980, that wasn't an overly large priority if it was even a priority at all. I can't, I wasn't there, I can't tell, but I don't think it was even that big of a priority. You came into a service and it was about the nature of that service's presentation. The vast majority of you, if we were honest, we came this morning not about a presentation in a service, but because of the friendships we have, the relationships we've made. Yes, we want good music, and yes, you want good teaching, and yes, those things are, are, are easy, easy to reach goals that should be targeted and strived for, but you probably got most of your strength today because you saw somebody who loves you or cares for you. I had a, one of our greeters walked up to me this morning and gave me a big hug and said, I didn't give you a card for Pastor Appreciation Month. I wasn't sure what to say. It's like, I know. <laughs> or, oh, that's far. I mean, she gave me a hug and she said, I want you to know I appreciate you every day of every year. And she is one of my wife's and my closest and longest tenured friends. The church gives us strength. Because you can have that conversation this morning and you can go to work tomorrow morning and the conversation may not be near that civil and may not be at all encouraging. It may not be at all helpful. One of the markers, one of the plumb lines, one of the, one of the levels for the church is that it provides peace while making an impact and that it is a place that creates strength. We should and reasonably anticipate being better people, stronger people, more certain and sure people with greater confidence as a result of having been together. And that togetherness is worship. It's appreciative and grateful worship. They were doing all of this and experiencing all of this and demonstrating these kind of characteristics in the midst of living in the fear of the Lord, which is not fear as we think of it, particularly this time of year. It is not the fear for the commercials and trailers for current movies um, that makes you want to turn off your TV or at least close your eyes before they move on to the next commercial. It's not fear, it's not horror, it's not, it's not disgust. 
This fear is respect. This fear is an immensity of gratitude. It is what happens in worship. It is balancing and processing the mightiness, the greatness, the, the, the awesome majesty of a perfect, all-holy God who is creator and sustainer of all things on earth and yet loves us so intimately and so specifically that he gives us permission to call him Father. That he promises to be there with us. He promises to hold our hands when rivers are flooded, when a fire seems overwhelming. He promises to be beside us when difficult decisions have to be made. It, I've been a Christian for some time now, so I can't claim just the, 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 um, the sort of days of awareness of how great God is because I'm such a new believer. After this many years, I ought to have a deeper sense of that. But let me tell you, it continues to astound me that God who is so able to do so many things and has done so many things just wants to be with me. That he wanted to hear me sing this morning. I, I love it. We have guests with us this morning because their daughter was singing on our praise team this morning and with our choir this morning. And they're here. They're here to support her. They're here. Dad said it straight to my face. So I'm here to hear her sing. I said, I'm going to preach. I didn't get much of a response about that. <laughs> I, that makes me proud. That makes me happy. That made, that made, that, that made me look forward to the service because it's family. But he's not the only dad that came to church this morning. And he's not the only dad that is on church right now on live stream. Our heavenly father is with us. We live in the fear, the reverence, the respect, the intimacy of being in relationship with God. I know you've all have heard me say this so many times because I, I deeply believe it and it helps me so much. But of all the descriptions of heaven, the kindest and the most anticipated for me is not the beauty of all the physical descriptions, but the intimacy in chapter 21 of a God who will wipe the tears from my eyes. How many times as a kid and how many times as an adult, maybe, and maybe I'm just a little mushy on the inside, so I'll acknowledge that, guys. I mean, I just, I may struggle in this area a little bit. But how many times when we're crying, we just wish somebody noticed? Have you ever done that? I mean, you don't, don't raise your hands, because you might be sitting with your parents or something, they might be watching. But have you ever been crying and they suddenly realized you were still crying because you wanted somebody to notice? It's like, you know, I scraped my knee, I'm still crying even though my knee doesn't hurt anymore because I want somebody to know I hurt. Am I, am I like the only one? I don't, I don't even hear breathing at this moment. <laughs> am I the only one who ever does this? And now you all can feel sorry for my wife. I just, you ever done that? You know, if I'm starting to cry, I wait till she walks into the room to stop. Maybe I'm the only one that has this problem. 
But here's the cool, if, if, you got, if, you, if you have that and you just don't want to admit it publicly in front of 300 people like I just did, um, just know this. For those of us who want our tears noticed, he always notices. And he always promises to wipe them from our eyes. That was the church. The church is having this huge geographic global impact. The church has this amazing peace because the church's savior gave us real peace, nothing conjured up or, or, or accomplished, but his peace. He gives us strength to face whatever we're gonna face tomorrow, and he gives us the opportunity to do that in his presence. In fact, it not only says that they lived in the fear of the Lord, but they were encouraged, and they were encouraged specifically by the Holy Spirit, so that that appreciative worship developed into inspiring encouragement all happening because of the experience of God's presence. He moves and he talks and he speaks to us. And we know that experience and we have that experience and we're grateful for that experience. And being together causes that to happen in a unique way. I'm not saying it doesn't happen alone. It happens alone all the time, particularly this time of year when it's deer hunting season and you're outdoors and you're by yourself. God can speak to you in those moments. But I'll have to be honest, as many hours as I've logged in in a deer stand, I've never felt God move the way I feel him move in church. Right here. And it makes sense Jesus so loved to hang out with us that he he promised. He said, whenever two or three of you get together, I will be there. They were encouraged. It was an encouraging place and they experienced the presence. All this took place because of the Holy Spirit. And then the result of that is this expansive growth In all the summaries that Luke gives in the book of Acts, they all include some expression of growth. In this one, in chapter nine, verse 31, it simply says, the church, it increased in numbers. And many of you are aware of this. You've heard other teachers say this. It's a common understanding of what happens in the book of Acts. It started with addition and it changed to multiplication. And in chapter, by the time we get to chapter nine, it's like it's outside of mathematical reason and Luke just says it increased. And yes, the first phase is a sacrifice phase and it is a, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a tight and it'll be a change for us to some degree. We've been on that schedule before. Before COVID, um, we were on that schedule. We did Sunday school at 9.30, Sunday school at 11, sorry, Bible study. We did church at 9.30, church at 11. Uh, The only thing that's really gonna change is we got some really early bird groups that are willing to meet at eight o'clock so that we can do three hours because space-wise, this first one's a sacrifice. It does grow out. I had somebody ask me, he said, said, well, surely we're doing more than this. And we are. This is just the budget we can do for phase one. There's much more beyond that that'll take place as we continue down that path and that journey. But we'll be together. And even when we're crossing from one place to another, we're together in that large lobby that Pastor Steve and Pastor Josh stepped out this week. We'll have the opportunity to be in Bible study. 
because we need to be together and we need to be together with Jesus and we, and we need to be in those moments where two and three gather and Jesus is there. And so everybody's Bible study is a part of the plan. Everybody's small groups are part of the plan. Everybody's activities and game nights and suppers are part of the plan. Everybody's worship is a part of the plan because this is who the church is. And when the church is who the church is supposed to be, then we reflect the personality of Jesus. And that's what's attracting to others. The church can't help but grow because people see Jesus and they want to know Jesus. And then once they know Jesus, they want to be with other Jesus people. And so it makes sense that this kind of place that Luke describes in Acts chapter nine is a place more people want to be a part of. And we experience that each and every week. I don't know how many people I met this morning. Today was their first Sunday with us. And hopefully, they experienced peace and strength and encouragement. But more than anything, hopefully they met Jesus this morning. Maybe they knew him before they got here, but they've sensed him in a new way today. Maybe they didn't know him when they got here. Maybe you didn't know him when you signed on online this morning to watch the, watch the service. You know now it's your choice. He's been introduced. You just simply decide whether or not he'll be your friend. We all make that decision. We make it with everybody we met. Every single person I met this morning, I had to decide, is this going to be my friend or is this not going to be my friend? It, nobody failed, by the way. It was yes for everybody. And when I met Jesus, he said, yes. Yes, James, I'll be your friend. It's that simple. If you've never met Jesus, pray with me right now. Father, you know our hearts. You hear exactly what's going on in our thoughts. And there's somebody along with me who wants to know you. And this morning, they're willing to meet you. They're willing to ask you to be a part of their life. Come in, make that difference. Make that change that you promised. Give that peace that you promised to them. I believe with all my heart, Jesus just came into your life. I personally would like to know that if you're willing to share it with me. So if you're in the house, I'll be here after the service. So will the rest of the ministers. If you're online, text us, call us, email us, connect to the website. Let us know you met Jesus today.